0: welcome this is the one-year Bible reading for May 31st and we begin today in second Samuel chapter 17 now Ahithophel urged Absalom let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged he and his troops will panic and everyone will run away then I will kill only the king and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only one man's life that you seek. Then you will be at peace with all the people. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai the Archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. And remember, he's loyal to David. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, What is your opinion? Should we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? Well, Hoshai replied to Absalom, This time Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced man of war he won't be spending the night among the troops. He is probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks, and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops, and the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldiers, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior your father is, and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan in the north and Beersheba in the south. That way you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I advise you personally, that you personally lead the troops. When we find David, will fall on him like dew that falls on the ground. Then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David David were to escape into some town, you will have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take ropes and drag the walls of the town into the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's, for the Lord had determined to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel, which was really the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom hushai told zadok and abiathar the priests what ahithophel had said to absalom and the leaders of israel and what he himself had advised instead quick he told them find david and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the jordan river tonight he must go across at once into the wilderness and beyond otherwise he will die and his ent- entire army with him jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at Enrogel so as to not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message that they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at Enrogel. He told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Bahurim, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected that they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The women replied, They were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other side of the bank before dawn. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether, an Ishmaelite. His mother, Abigail, daughter of Nahash, was the sister of Joab's mother, Zariah. Absalom and the the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was warmly greeted by Shobai son of Nahash, who came from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and by Makir, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and by Barzillai of Gilead from Rogalim. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, sheep goats and cheese for David and those who were with him for they said you must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness John chapter 19 beginning in verse 23 when the soldiers had crucified Jesus they divided his clothes among the four of them they also took his robe but it was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, Here is your son and he said to his this disciple here is your mother and from then on this disciple took her into his home jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture he said i am thirsty a jar of sour wine was sitting there so they soaked a sponge in it put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips when jesus had tasted it he said it is finished then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then the bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also can believe because there are those who said that Jesus never actually died on the cross. So this is an independent witness. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced afterward joseph of arimathea who had been a secret disciple of jesus because he feared the jewish leaders asked pilate for permission to take down jesus's body when pilate gave permission joseph came and took the body away with him came nicodemus the man who had come to jesus at night they were both members of the jewish high council they brought He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden, where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Psalm 119, beginning in 129. Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. The teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. I pant with expectation, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy, as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love. Teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people op- disobey your instructions. O oh Lord, you are righteous, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. I am overwhelmed with indignation, for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, that is why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them, so I may live. I pray with all my heart, answer me, Lord. I will obey your decrees. I cry out to you, rescue me, so that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. In your faithful love, O Lord, hear my cry let me be revived by following your regulations lawless people are coming to attack me they live far from your instructions but you are near O lord and all your commands are true i have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever proverbs 16 12 and 13 a king detests wrongdoing for his rule is built on justice The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. And to end today, we're back with Selwyn Hughes, looking at disappointment. And this is, it is okay to feel it. Nehemiah 1 verse four, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Why is it necessary to know to cope with disappointment? Because if it is allowed to reverberate in our hearts, however much we pretend with our minds that we do not care, our true feelings will prevent us from moving upward towards the peaks of God with all four feet. Our back feet will not track where our front feet have been positioned, and thus we will miss our step on the steepest slopes that lead upward to closer fellowship with God. The first thing we should learn about disappointment is this. It's okay to feel it. The worst possible thing we can do with any problem that arises in our lives is to refuse to face it and feel it. Yet, this is a typical response made by many Christians to life's problems. I once counseled a young woman, young unmarried woman, who had gone through some bitter disappointments, both in her childhood and through her adolescent years. Such was the pain of these disappointments brought that uh, the only way she could cope with them was to turn her mind to something else. She toyed with the idea of drink, sensual pleasures, and several other things, but because she had a deep commitment to Christ, she decided to enroll in a Bible correspondence course. As we talked, it became clear to me that in doing this, her primary goal was not to learn more about scripture, but to relieve the pain of disappointment that was reverberating in her heart. Bible study became a way to escape from her problems rather than what it should have been a way to confront them. Father, help us to see that you have made us in such a way that we function best when we go through problems rather than around them. Show us that maturity is being in charge of our feelings, not our feelings being in charge of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's a very common Christian response, unfortunately, to just stuff our emotions and feelings and decide that they are unbiblical, rather than bringing them to the surface and presenting them to the Lord and allowing him to bring light, as we just read, and healing. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.